You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest, and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member FDIC. Well, it's a Monday morning here in the Farm Bureau studios in downtown Starkville. I'm Bart Gregory along with Charlie Winfield. Farm Bureau, go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Check them out at favorace.com. Agents all across Mississippi, home life, auto, whatever you need. And we're supposed to have some uh, some decent weather tonight, Charlie. Decent heavy weather tonight. Windy that's weather. That's not terribly decent. Well, it's windy weather. It's decently windy. Okay. Well, that's a – what was it um, Don Henley said? After the Eagles broke up, it was something like it was a terrible relief. <laughs> That's kind of what you got. Decently windy. Which is, by the way, one of my favorite documentaries to watch. Oh, my goodness. I could do a full hour on that. I won't. Yeah, well, I, I, could. I, I could too. And I'm kind of a, a, a sucker for that, of listening to stuff like that and trying to figure out where did you come up with the idea for a song. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that was classic. We talked to Hardy one time a couple of years ago on this show, and he was talking about you know God's country, about how he wrote it in a deer stand down in Bogachita, just south of Nanawoya. It was on his family's hunting property. When he talked about how when they would cross into Octibahaw County driving up, his dad would say, we're in God's country. Yeah, that's kind of the what started it all. Anyway, Farm Bureau, go with the home team at Farm Bureau, and uh, Charlie Winfield and I are in the Farm Bureau studios, and it's Sunday coffee on a Monday. We said last week we did Sunday coffee maybe on a Wednesday, week and a half ago. Is that what this is? Or is this just two guys getting together for just a little bit of time? I think we're just kind of hanging out on a Monday morning. And I don't really want to talk about basketball. But hey, we you got to. insurance. Well, <laughs> I'll leave that alone. Um, oh, boy. Look, man, I think in the SEC, what you kind of view it a little bit like in men's basketball, which I think I think you first of all have to analyze women's basketball and men's very differently. In the men's game, I tend to think of it like tennis. you got to hold serve. And what we missed was a, a chance to kind of go up a break, right? We needed to have won that ball game. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. Women's basketball – Drop in the home game. Well, let's I tell you what. Let's not mix them up. Let's let's pick one and go with it. Would you like to start with the men or the women? Let's uh, let's talk about men's basketball. All right, men's basketball. I think the big thing that jumps out at you is you had a chance to go on the road. You had a chance to win. You hit the spots where you couldn't score. You still don't have Tolu as much as you'd like to have him. But at the end of the day, the thing that frustrates me. You have a chance to tie it, maybe to win it. You don't get a shot up in the air. And, again, it goes back to just not – what's the common thread in our losses right now, in our true road games, what's the common thread? Lack of assist. Sharing the basketball. Now, I guess what I haven't gone back to break down, though, is there's kind of two ways that you can be prevented from having assist. One is not sharing the basketball. Too much creating off the dribble. The other – is passing to guys who can't make a shot, <laughs> right? Yeah. What's uh, what's the old uh, 
thing in Hoosiers, don't shoot it unless you're wide open underneath yeah. the basket. And so if, if you, you can make a great pass and the guy just doesn't make it. We need a new stat for attempted assist. Attempted assist. Well, all right, uh, before I get into this, let's think about the finer things in life and the positive things in life. And that this show is brought to you by our friends at Strange Brew Coffee House. I had a good cup of Strange Brew coffee this morning. Made me feel really good here on a Monday morning. Strange Brew, my blueberry flavored, co- uh, my blueberry flavored coffee. It's fantastic. And so you can get it at Spring Street and Highway 12, Tupelo at Brupolo, and also in Tuscaloosa. Strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. They'll ship it to you. All right. I never thought I'd say this. Well, you, you always think in sports, there's no such thing as never. There's no such thing as definitives. I did not think we would get pushed around like we did against a South Carolina team that is not made up of big guys. I thought, yeah, we talk about the assists, and we had nine assists in the game. We had, what, five against Georgia Tech a few weeks ago. So that's, what, 14 assists and two true road. We played two true road games this year. But to me, the rebounding, they out-rebounded us by nine. But the offensive rebounding, 15 offensive rebounds for South Carolina, and that got them 16 second-chance points. It just seemed like all the 50-50 balls went their way. I think we're a better basketball team in South Carolina. And I, and I think at the end of the year, we're going to be a better team, basketball team in South Carolina. Now, they got a great record. Do I think they're going to start 5-1 and one in the league? No. At, nope, not at all. And I think when you start looking at the first four games, playing at South Carolina, out of the four games – was probably the one that you probably got a chance to be favored in. Were we favored in that game? I think we were. Point and a half. Point and a half. We're not going to be favored in the next three. But that was a surprise to me about how they got 50-50 balls. And you go back to the point which you just said about assists, Charlie. And I really want to go back and look in depth at the game. But there were several times as I was watching the game the other day that I was saying to myself, why did we take that shot without at least looking inside? We were not looking inside for Tolu Smith and Jimmy Bell on a lot of possessions when we had the size advantage. Hey, go back to the rebounding numbers a minute, and here's the one that jumps out at you. Jimmy Bell played 20 minutes, had zero rebounds. And, look, Jimmy Bell's been a big reason that we are where we are. Okay, so I'm not – I'm not taking any swipes at Jimmy Bell. Very appreciative of where he is. But you can't have that. Tolu Smith had four rebounds. You can't have that. And so I always enjoy comparing the other team's offensive rebounding total to our defensive rebounding total. And these don't all come off live balls. So I would say that defensive rebounds are going to skew a little bit higher off missed free throws. Yes. So you look in the ball game. South Carolina missed eight free throws in the game. Some of those would have been in the front end of a two-shot foul, what have you. But some of those will lead almost always to defensive rebounds. So here's what I look at. 18 defensive rebounds for us, 15 offensive rebounds for them. Meaning so when we're on their end of the floor and there's a rebound to be had, they got 15 of the 33. That's That's a big number. That's a huge percentage. Now, you can't – the thing about rebounding and what's easy to do is you start taking shots at your front-line players. 
And long uh, shots lead to long rebounds. Long shots lead to lead to long rebounds. And I just thought that they, they got to some balls, some 50-50 balls that we have been getting to. And now, is this loss detrimental? No. It's not. I mean, the season's not over. But that was definitely one. I guarantee you two months from now, we're going to look back and say, that was a game that got away from us that we, we probably should have won. Is this the game that is the transition to getting Tolu back in the starting lineup? I think it is because what always happens, I mean, in the in the world of sports, rarely do you have a situation because most coaches are, are you know, old-timey coaches where you don't mess with a mojo. And Jimmy Bell has been very good for us and will continue to be very good for us. And so it's almost like you needed a moment, whether it be Tolu having just an outright crazy game, great game, or Jimmy Bell having a bad game, something in there needed to, to spark that. And I think I think going forward, you would see Tolu Smith in the starting lineup. He start to go back and look at some of the analytics on the ball game. And, and again, I, I'm not a slave to analytics, but I think they do kind of reveal a few things. Tolu Smith, I thought this was interesting. You, you look at what he does to a defense. Tolu was fouled ten times. So what I mean by that is – you look at the rest of the players on the team. DJ was fouled five times. Shaq Moore six. Your better players going to get fouled more, right? They are a lot of times, and I, and I get it. It can be position dependent, but the two guys who were fouled the most in that ball game were Josh Hubbard and Tolu Smith. And so, what does that tell you? It tells you that when you got it to Tolu around the goal, he was pretty good with it. You know, the other thing about Tolu is he got to the line five times and made them all. And so you start to look for improvements of where he is versus where he was last year. Getting the ball, let him get fouled, and get the big man to the line. We wouldn't have been saying that a year ago. All right, Steve Lapis was bringing this up on the broadcast the other day when he was talking about having Jimmy Bell and Cam Matthews in the game at the same time. And then all of a sudden you know as a defense that you can pack things inside. I thought South Carolina really packed things inside. They were not going to get – and that's one of the reasons they got all the rebounds they got. You know, DJ is not shooting the ball extremely well at all right now. He had two field goals in the game. One was a dunk, and the other one was right near the goal. And he was 0 for 2 behind the three-point line. And I know we've talked about the analytics of our team, but having DJ Jeffries, having Cam Matthews, Jimmy Bell on the floor – at the same time, you, you don't have the quote-unquote scores. Now, the thing about the other day, too, is is you had foul trouble for the first time this season. But there were a few times the other day, and I'm sure Chris Jans is just like us. He's looking out the floor, and he's saying, where are my points going to come from? Well, the one thing that I think always frustrates me, and it's just the nature of basketball, I hate to see one guy get hot and beat us. Yeah. And it felt like one guy beat us. Johnson? Yeah. I mean, he – 24 points, and, and you talk about good players getting fouled. He got to the free throw line 11 times, made nine. That one is frustrating. There were some frustrating calls. It, look, at the end of the day, though, that's a game you, you can look at and you can pick it apart and you can be upset. We were, despite the fact we lose by six, we were possession away from winning that game. Yeah. We had the basketball with a chance to get a road win by scoring a basket. And instead, we pick up our dribble, we give it up, Man, it just happens. Um, but I think all of, all of a sudden, got to pick up some games here next couple of nights. 
Well, you've got Tennessee coming up on the horizon and then Alabama at home. All right. Let's talk about Tennessee a second. I didn't get to watch much of it, but I did see the score. And that was a good old-fashioned welcome to league play, boys. Well, it is. And so the thing about Tennessee is they normally – If you don't know, I'm talking about just the beatdown they put on Ole Miss. Yeah, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really not sure just how good Ole Miss is right now. I mean, I think they're I think they're okay. I think they're a pretty good basketball team, above average basketball team. But Tennessee under Rick Barnes, they always play well at home. It seems like they always play well at home. They may have one or two slip ups a year where they just don't show up. Now on the road, sometimes they look a completely different team on the road. Now sometimes they come out and look like world beaters. I am really, really prefacing what I'm about to say. But you may catch them on a Rick Barnes night, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, Rick Barnes, man, that that guy's a fascinating character study in the sense of he can be so close and then he can just. You're like, what in the world? And that's the way he was at Texas. No, same thing. He drove them crazy. I think we could probably, in a much longer show, make some Rick Barnes and Rick Stansberry comparisons. You probably can. Or some Mark Gottfried. Yes, that's probably even a better one. Where you just have those head scratchers. You're like, what? Are, what? Are, what's going on here? Yes. Yeah, so look around the league real quick. And obviously, we're just one game in. Tennessee just takes it to Ole Miss, led by nine at the half, and just blow them away. Kentucky goes on the road, beats Florida. They were down for a long time in that game until the very end. And I don't that think was Fl- a game Florida needed. They do need it. They did need it. And I'm just not sold on Florida quite yet. So, Kentucky's win. The one that jumps out above all others to me, because it's one thing to have somebody at home and just wear them out. Auburn, who I thought was pretty good, but not elite, went on the road and just grabbed Arkansas and beat them on both ends of the floor. But I'll tell you this, the thing about Arkansas, and you've been up there before too, it's almost like LSU in football. Now, I, I was kind of surprised it was as big of a beatdown as it was. Beat by 32. But you, you talk about the, you know, win the crowd, win your freedom. And <laughs> you if you win, if you get that crowd turned against Arkansas, that's a tough place. You know, that's a tough place on a home team. Boy, you want to feel bad about yourself. Auburn outscored Arkansas 46-21 to 21 in the second half. So that was ugly. Georgia went on the road, beat Missouri. Uh, you know, I don't think Missouri's great. I don't think Georgia's that good. Alabama goes on the road, beats Vanderbilt. That's a game coming up. We're going. Which kind of shows you, right? Alabama had to go on the road and barely beat Vanderbilt, which tells you, and we knew this, Alabama's nowhere near what they were last year without Brandon Miller. They're a good team. Are they a great team? I don't think so. And I'll I tell you what, it almost turns into a must-win when you play Alabama at home this week. Oh, I think it is. And last, just to round it out, LSU went on the road, beat A&M by 15. I am you, – hey, you think back early 90s when we won the SEC. You know, we started the league that year 3-3 three and three in league play. And we said the other day, this is a team that could – I mean, we could easily be sitting here saying we're pretty good and be two and three. I didn't really want to do that. <laughs> I was kind of hoping. But so. in, in my two, I was counting that win against South Carolina. Uh, that's the problem, right? 
And so now Wednesday and Saturday, I think, pretty big. Yeah, they really are. And so a busy week this week coming up at, at the hump when you've got uh, Mississippi State hosting Tennessee on Wednesday night and then back on Saturday t- uh, hosting Alabama. State and women's basketball hosting Ole Miss on Sunday after going to Fayetteville on Thursday night. And, hey, we're brought to you by our friends at Tracks Plus. Tracks Plus, Hickory, Mississippi, that's where it all started. They got the great uh, service center down there, there down there at Hickory. Saney excavators and mini excavators, Barco equipment for the Foresters. Go to TracksPlus.com and see what all heavy machinery that they have. And we're also brought to you by our friends at Maroon and Company in the Cotton Mill Marketplace. Go to MaroonandCo.com. Get all that great Bulldog gear, all the different logos, great service, and, of course, tremendous supporters of the Bulldog Initiative. Type in the code NIL10. You'll get a 10% discount, and 5% of your purchase will go to the Bulldog Initiative. All right, let's talk about women's basketball. You and I had the game on Thursday night against – Remember when we didn't talk about basketball? That used to be a hallmark of this show, that we did not talk about basketball. And now we're talking about basketball. Should we go back to not talking about basketball now? Because it's going to be hard to talk about. The women's team a little bit different because right now what we've seen is the the men go on the road, miss an opportunity that you would have liked to have had. You can't lose at home to Vanderbilt. And uh, that really – of course, look, going to South Carolina, we all knew the score. We, yeah. all, we all knew how that was going to turn out. So there's not a, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it type thing. But that Vanderbilt game was a tough one, and it's you're going to have to find some wins because you're going to have to steal one back. What did we talk about a couple of weeks ago? And when we were thinking about how women's basketball leading into the season, what did you seen? What have you seen to this point? And we brought up the thought of when you get into this league, when winning and losing is such a fine of a line as it is. And if you go four or five minutes where you go stagnant, that four or five minutes can be your downfall. And I thought the other night, early in the second half, we had one of those four or five minutes against Vanderbilt. And during that four or five minutes, the game completely changed. No, it did. And getting away just from that one game, package those two ball games together, what have you not seen? You haven't seen good post play. You haven't seen us scoring in the post. You haven't seen us rebounding the way we need to. And that's kind of back-to-back times. And if this team's going to be any good, you're going to have to have high performances out of Jessica Carter. You're going to have to have Aaron Barnum give you more. And right now in a couple of league games, you just haven't, even combining those two positions, you haven't, you just hadn't gotten it. You know, this past game against South Carolina – Jessica Carter, Aaron Barnum combined for nine points, nine rebounds. That's not enough production. Obviously, I'm not giving away any state secrets, right? you got to have more than that. You go back to the Vanderbilt game. They combined for eight points, 15 rebounds. The rebounding you can probably live with, right? But you got to get more out of the post because the problem is once you get past those two players, your depth is really young. It's very young. I like Montague a lot, very athletic. But when you look along the front line, and Charlie, we've said this for a few years now, 
when you start trying to figure out how you're scoring in the low post, I'd like to look at the percentages of frontline players that are taking jump shots compared to making post moves and getting to the bucket. Because there are going to be some nights where jump shots don't fall. And if you're relying on your frontline players away from the basket to make a 10 to 12 foot jump shot instead of anything six feet in, you're going to have nights where you get beat probably when you should not get beat. Yeah, and obviously, look, South Carolina, that's a ball game. Oh, you can't play that in. You can't play that at the rim. Yeah. 99 times out of 100. In this current setup, that may be high, 95 out of 100. You get, but it's it's overwhelming. They were going to win that ball game. But how about this? In the game against South Carolina, you're starting 4 and 5, combined to go 3 and 15, 3 of 15 shooting the basketball. Combined to shoot just six free throws. Go back to the Vanderbilt game, combined to go 3 of 10, combined for just two free throws. And so it's what that tells me is that without even having the shot chart, without even having it in front of me, it tells me that we're probably settling for shots away from the goal. Well, we talked about Tolu Smith in the game on Saturday. Tolu was fouled ten times. He's operating around the bucket. He's taking shots at the bucket, and he gets fouled. It's not about making shots inside of six feet. It's about getting to the free throw line yeah. inside of six feet as well. And so when you're – let me tell you this. In college basketball, if you are a post player or if you are a four, they are going to let you shoot. They want you to shoot. They want us to shoot the 10- to 12-foot jump shot. You're playing into the other team's hands because that's what every scout in America will say. No matter who you're playing is make this post player shoot the 12-foot jump shot. All right, Bart, so here's what I take from both the men and women for a minute. I'll start with the women. You look at, now you're in a hole, you're 0-2. Got to go to Arkansas. You know, and I get it. It's not like going to Arkansas to play the men, but that's a tough game. Ole Miss is a good basketball team. You're going to get them here, followed by Tennessee, followed by going to Florida, followed by hosting LSU. Doesn't necessarily get a whole bunch easier when you start to think about how are you going to dig your way out of this 0-2 start. All right, for the men, you've got Tennessee at home. You won't be favored there. Then you get Alabama at home. That's not an ideal follow-up there. Then you got to go to Kentucky. And then mercifully, you get Florida, but you got to go – excuse me, you get Vanderbilt, but then you got to go to Florida. Then you get – it's just tough. It's a tough league, and it – And the front end – yeah. yeah, the front end is just so much tougher – than the back end of it. And so isn't that the real challenge right now that Chris Jans and Sam Purcell are going to have is keeping their teams – and you shouldn't have to say this in college basketball, right? But there's still an art to keeping your team together, right? Well, wouldn't you say it would be a little bit easier for the men compared to the women because the men have been here before? Yeah, they've done it. Yeah, they did it last year. When you start out 1-7 and seven last year, they've done it. So I think that will make it – a little bit different. All right. Football-wise, the portal is mercifully closed. It will open again April 16 to 30. And that, though, in that second portal, one of the things that you can't do is transfer within the league. So it at least kind of narrows a little bit of your focus. But there are still some guys. You still have a chance to fill some spots. 
Now, here's one thing that a lot of people I've, I've been talking to I don't think understood, and that is people will say, you know, you have 10 visitors in on a weekend, and I get a message from somebody saying, well, we got to get all 10. You can't get all 10 because <laughs> you still have to stay in line with your scholarship numbers. And so you, you have to have an opening to fill the spot. You can't just take them all, right? And so I think Mississippi State's tried to manage. If you look at it, have you gotten better at receiver? I, I, well, you've certainly gotten deeper. And, you know, obviously, look, Tulu Griffin was a good player. Xavion was a good player. They're gone. But, man, you brought in some dudes. Um, Coleman coming in from Louisville, feel really good about. Kelly coming in from UTEP, feel really good about. you got to love the high school signing class. So the receiver room you have to feel pretty good about. Need to close on some guys on the offensive line, make some things happen there. And uh, I think things are going to pick up on the defensive line here pretty soon. That's a big deal. Um, I, in fact, uh, I think one could make a compelling argument that if this was a fantasy draft at this point, you want to use your next six picks. Use your picks on the other side? On uh, maybe one lineman. You know, you want your next six picks. to. If you're not a corner or a big dude, It'd be hard to justify, I think. So, real obviously, quick, an elite player anytime. Yeah, but you get the idea, right? From a on a timeline standpoint, classes begin what next Tuesday on the sixteenth. You start trying to figure. out. I mean, so what you're looking at? How many guys do you think you may see in the next week compared to guys we may bring in when that second portal opens? How many guys do I think commit in the next week? Or yeah, is that what you're asking? I think I think you still got a chance to see several guys come in. It's not going to be a dozen, no, because it can't be. But I, I think you you've got a chance. And in fact, uh, I think later today, after we record, uh, maybe some some good, good things news may happen on the defensive front. Okay, all right. Hey, did you see where the uh, the W's changing their name? No. Yeah, it came out this morning. No, I missed this. Mississippi Brightwell University. Um. Brightwell University. And they had their reasons. They didn't have somebody with the last name of Brightwell that just gave a bunch of money and named the school. But, you know, they, they had some they had some reasoning that they thought. So Mississippi Brightwell University. It's going to take effect July 1. Um, did they workshop this? I mean, well, I'm not trying to cast aspersions here, but. I don't know if they did a vote among. focus group? Or? I don't know if they did a, a vote among the alumni. Hoo-hoo. Bunch of guys wearing top hats. Hey, it's funny you say that because you mentioned to me as you were walking in that somebody had you saw somebody with a top hat on. Well, I don't know if you say you know the quote unquote top hat. The, yeah, I think top hat kind of evokes an imagery of the tux and the cane and the the big tall Abe Lincoln looking kind of thing. What is it like an ivy cap when you've got the what's the little Tam O'Shanter hat? Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about. Oh, you thought I was talking about a guy with a with, with like a, the 1950s, the way men wore hats. No, I'm talking about one of those. Oh, you're, the, yeah, like the golf caddy, the Chevy Chase Caddyshack. Payne Stewart. Hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. that's very different. It is, and I mean, people can wear those. I've got no problem with people, but if you're under 40, I, I can't take you serious. Well, man, now just throwing people. No, I'm really not it's throwing a great people. Marketing tool. So, if you were to wear a hat, what kind of hat would you wear? I would like to go back to the days where we all wore those hats, 1950 style. 
A fedora? Well, they're not quite a fedora. A fedora is more of an Indiana Jones kind of hat. Would you wear like a, a bowler hat? No, not a bucket I, hat. I couldn't see you in a bucket hat. No, I want the 1950s Dwight D. Eisenhower kind of hat. Okay. And, you know, we were in a good spot hat-wise back in the day, and then JFK came along. And so you have JFK elected at president. He's a young guy. He's got the nice hair. And he was the guy that didn't wear the hat. And America's hasn't been great since, Bart. Bring back the 1940s, the 1950s hats. Yeah, I just can't. Uh, you know, they have the hat stores in New Orleans and other big cities you go in. So I went in one of those. on Not on Bourbon Street, but whatever. I don't know my New Orleans stuff. It's on a side street. I know where you're talking about. Near Jack's Brewery, I went to one. Right. And so I walked in, and the guy told me, because I was asking, all right, how do I go about, because I, I wanted to get the hat. I was going to wear it all weekend. That was going to be my signature moment, my little one-man protest, bring back the hat. And then the guy told me that it was important to let the hats talk to me. And okay. That's when I got out of the house. I was like, yeah, all right. <laughs> all right, man. We're taking my the, Yankees cap. Taking we'll us a little bit too serious. All right. Yeah, big difference. I wore the baseball cap every now and then, but but as far as a hat, I wore a cowboy hat every now and then. I've got some boots. Hey, and by the way, we've got some good boots right now. Got them other day at uh, Williams Brothers. I've had every time somebody comes in to the athletic department, the first thing I ask, one of the first things I ask them is, hey, have you ever been to Williams Brothers in Philadelphia? And so you've been there, right? I have not. What? I have not. We need to make a trek down there. I saw Jane the other day. not worn boots. Really? I've never. I have not. I mean, maybe like a kid in the school play, but it, as a functioning adult, I'm the same I've never way. worn boots. I've never worn boots as well and had a pair given to me by my dad last year. And I was like, you know, I kind of like these. And I've always been told if you find some that fit and wear good, that you'll wear them. And so I went down, I saw Jane the other day, Chad Cross White, of course, pitched here too. I was like, I just want a good pair of boots. There is, I'm certainly on board for going to Williams Brothers. The chances of me leaving there or anywhere else. With a pair of boots? Wearing boots are something approaching zero. Man, they got Filson stuff. They got some Filson jackets. It's big time stuff anyway. Yeah. Saw Chad Cross White the other day. I was introducing Chad to, uh, I didn't introduce Chad to Emmy. I I took Emmy by there a couple weeks ago. And so, yeah. I saw a couple of uh, our major leaguers this weekend. You know, there was a nice event this weekend that a few kind of people put together. They hosted it. This was a private event. It wasn't a, this wasn't a, some, nobody feel left out. This was a group of people who got together and they went on a duck hunt. And some of the guys that helped get that going were um, Adam Frazier, Hunter Renfro, and Brandon Woodruff to help support the Bulldog Initiative. Basically, everybody who went pitched in. And uh, it was a significant, significant event for us. But got a chance to talk to those guys. And, man, you talk about putting a guy in his element. Hunter Renfro, he would duck hunt. I think I think during the time that he was here at this place, in two days, he went duck hunting, deer hunting, and fishing all multiple times. I was going to say I guarantee you the best shooter in that bunch was probably Renfro. And, of course, Brandon Woodruff sidelined a little bit. Can't uh, – Yeah. He could get out there, but he hung out. And, man, these guys were – Woody's were a awesome. big – I saw Woody, I guess, it was a basketball game. He still had the brace on his shoulder. And, um, of course, he had the off-season shoulder surgery. And so I want to 
the thing I want to highlight about that, though, is it's one of the narratives that gets out there is that our athletes don't do things to help the Bulldog Initiative. Sometimes they just don't talk about it. Sometimes they're like a lot of people who give to us. But these are three guys who hung out all weekend long, who engaged with people, who are going to help make a difference in what we're doing. And so it's happening. It's happening. And those, man, those are some good dudes. They were fun. Yep, they really are. Woody likes to fish a lot. All right, just a show today to get together about basketball. Hey, baseball, talking about those baseball guys right here on the horizon now. Not long now, Charlie. They'll start baseball practice. Start whittling it down. We'll get in here in the next couple of weeks. We'll talk about whose position is going to belong to who. But anyway. Hey, real quick on baseball. We're going to have some fascinating fights. I think if we, as we sit here right now, you know what's going to happen in center. That'll be Hyzak. You know who's going to be in right. That'll be Dakota. Shortstop second base is going to be an interesting thing to watch. Right field is going to be interesting. Excuse me, left field. Left field is going to be interesting to watch because all indications are Dakota is going to swing around to right. And so let's see what happens in left field. Let's see what happens in the middle because you've really got three guys fighting for two spots right now. Yeah, you know you got Hunter Hines at first base. Highfield's going to be behind the plate. The Memphis kid's going to be the third baseman, you would think. He's not a kid anymore. No, he's like 23, I think. Yeah, so. anyway. still He's a kid to us. Anyway, that's true. All right. Hey, appreciate you guys hanging out with us. We'll be back on Sunday on regular for our Sunday coffee. Thanks to our good friends at Country Pleasing Sausage, Country Meat Packers down in Florence, Mississippi. They've got the butcher shop. They're making all that great beef jerky down there now. But uh, anyway, the staple, the Country Pleasing Sausage. Of course, we're in the Farm Bureau studios here in downtown Starkville. Farm Bureau, go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Howard Technology Solutions. Go to howardcomputers.com. See how they can help you with your computer software, with your computer security. If you need a computer, if you need a Howard computer, if you need a Dell They can help you out. Go to howardcomputers.com to see how they can help you. Cannon Ford of Starkville, nobody beats a Cannon deal. Nobody. they got the service center, the body shop, and, of course, new or used cars. Go by and see our friends Chris Keene and his fantastic staff, and they will help you get ready for the new year with a new F-150, F-250, or any of their array of used cars as well. Great customer service. Cannon Ford of Starwell. So for Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory. Hey, appreciate you guys hanging out with us.